Well, today we're continuing our Behold, I Am series, and this is all about Jesus, right? The statements that Jesus has made. We're actually at about the halfway point uh, of the series, and I'd say if, if the uh, second half is anything like the first half, we are in for something special. I, I don't know about you, I just loved the I Am series. Diving deeper into Jesus. I've been praying for you this week, and as I've been praying, one thing just continues to uh, pop into my mind again and again and again that I pray. Lord, may uh, this series and may these statements be sticky. I've just been praying that for you, that these statements would be sticky. You know what uh, church people are really good at doing? I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. We come into church, we learn something, but then we kind of just leave it in the pew, right? And then we leave, and we live life exactly the same as we had always lived it, like nothing actually happened. And, and by being sticky is that you just couldn't get it off you, right? That it would follow you. That The, the statements that we've, we've made about Jesus, that Jesus has declared, that he said, I am the great I am. Remember that? He said, I am the bread of life. He told us that he is the light of the world. And last week, anyone remember, he said, I am the, I am the gate, right? I am the gate. And he said, I am the gate. I am the door to abundant life, a life to the full. And hopefully, again, I've been praying this for you, and hopefully this is true for my life, but also true for your life, that they're not just truths that stay in this building, but they're truths that influence you, change you, actually, wouldn't it be great if the truths of what Jesus declares actually changed how you and I live our lives. So that's what I've been praying. This morning, as we dive into the next I Am statement, we have a real treat for you. I think you're going to enjoy it. Laura Ranow, our very own Laura Ranow, is going to come up in a little bit and, and, and finish the message. Our passage for today is found in chapter 14 of John. So if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 14. We're going to dabble a little bit into chapter 13 as well. But we want to put this uh, statement, and if you find the statement, it's actually in 14, verse 6. But we want to put it back in context. I've loved that part of the series, just putting the statement, that one verse, you know, bumper sticker, poster in the bathroom kind of statement, and, and putting it back into the larger context, right? Who is there when he's speaking? Who, who's the crowd? What does the crowd look, look, look like? What's the environment like? What's the situation that Jesus finds himself in? And so again, John chapter 14, it's kind of a shame actually that there's a chapter marker there because 13 flows quite well into 14 and yet if you're like me sometimes you just read a chapter and then you stop uh, really if you're reading John 13 try your best to go into 14 in fact if you can if you're really ambitious start in chapter 13 and read all the way through chapter 17 13 through 17 because in these chapters these are Jesus's final words to his disciples before he dies. His final, last, encouraging words. It's his final hour, right? This is before he's arrested, before he's tried, before he's crucified on that cross. He knows his hour has come. And so these are his last words to those who have followed him. His last encouragement to them before all this takes place. And so, don't you think that these words that he speaks, they might matter just a little bit, right? The, the final words of a man who knows he's going to die. If you knew that and he started to speak, you would, you would pay attention. You'd listen to what he might have to say. I'd also include this. Uh, sometimes with the Bible, uh, no one likes to admit it, but sometimes you grab the Bible and you think, where should I read? Have you ever done that? Like, well, I don't know. 
And how many times have we just opened up to Genesis 1? And nothing against Genesis 1, but there's quite a few pages until you get to John chapter 13 if you're starting at Genesis 1. Uh, but uh, there's, there's this kind of stress sometimes that we have. Like, where do I turn? I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed if you go to John chapter 13. And again, that's the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, fourth book of the New Testament. Open up to chapter 13 and then read all the way through 17. It will encourage you. It will remind you how much Jesus loves you, how much the Father loves you. If you want to go even deeper into these chapters, now we're speaking to, uh, some of you weren't here back then, but way back in 2012, like ancient history, right? 2012, we did a series. Hey, raise your hand if you remember the series we did on John. Five of you, right? <laughs> so we, if you remember, that was like one of the longest series of all time. The joke was we were going to be in John for, for, for quite a while, for, forever, yes. Um, but we have all those recordings, and we have them all on our website. We have them on our podcast. Uh, if you have the time, go back and listen to the, 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 the messages. Our founding pastor, remember, Pastor Chad Skilperor, he did an outstanding job walking us through this section of the Bible. So open your Bibles, John 13, 14. Like we've been doing lately, we're going to read a large portion of Scripture. And as we do, just remember, this is an intimate setting, an intimate scene between Jesus and His followers, His closest disciples. And pay attention as they respond to Him in worry and respond to Him in concern. Notice how Jesus responds. That His response as our Savior and as our Lord, His response is of concern, is of compassion, and most importantly, is response of love. Children, I will be with you, I'll be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Lord, where are you going? You can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? I'm ready to die for you. Die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. 
and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Isn't there um, just something so powerful about hearing that just read out loud like that? It's amazing. Um, I've been a part of Vacation Bible School this weekend. One of my roles was um, to be in a skit, and I was the evil octopus. So I feel like I'm kind of, you know, missing something. I should have some tentacles on right now and uh, be up here. So it's, it's kind of nice to not to just be up here as my own, not having to wear a costume. It was, it was so much fun, you guys. So so much fun. Um, this is one of my favorite I am statements. This has been, like Dan said, I think just an incredible series, right? To know who God is, those statements of I am uh, has just been amazing to me and I've just loved it. And in preparing this, um, it is giving me a renewed appreciation for what our pastors do to prepare for a message. I mean, that amount of time that Dan spends, and he does this every week. I think every week he spends all this time and, and he appears like he doesn't want to throw up when he's up here, which is amazing. And I, <laughs> so I'm like, how do you do this every week? Um, no, it's, it's, I so appreciate the work that our pastors put in um, to their messages. And I'm really excited for what God has to share with us today. And um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And let's bring up um, John 14, 6. And, and let's go ahead and read this one together. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as Dan kind of said earlier, that's like the bumper sticker phrase, right? We hear that verse a lot, all by itself, just kind of pulled out. Um, and typically in reference to our entry to heaven, right? We get to heaven only through Jesus, which of course is true. Um, but there's a bigger picture here. There's something more, I think, that Jesus was trying to convey to the disciples. So um, let's think about, again, like what Dan had talked about earlier, about what was going on at this time. So this was the Last Supper, right? They're all in the upper room. They pass over. Um, Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. And this is the night before Jesus is going to be crucified. Now, the disciples don't know what's going to happen, but of course Jesus does. They don't know that they were on the precipice of the biggest crisis that any of them were going to ever endure. But Jesus did. Jesus knew what the next three days were going to put all of them through. So what was Jesus wanting to convey to them during this time? So if we go back um, to John 13, 36, um, Jesus has just told them that he's going to go away and that they couldn't go with him. And so Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will be able to follow later. And then next he tells Peter that he's um, going to deny him. So in John 13, 37 and 38, Peter asks, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crow crows, you will disown me three times. So basically he has just told his group of disciples, I'm leaving you. You can't follow me, and you're not even going to last the night without me. I don't know if any of you in your jobs have ever had to manage a group of people. Um, in my job, I often have to bring groups of people together, 
and talk about things that are going to change. How many of you know that people have a hard time dealing with change? So and often I have, I deal a lot with project managers. I work for a construction company. And so often I'm bringing in a group of project managers to tell them usually about something simple like a form. And I'm like, hey, we're going to take this form that you've been using and we're gonna replace it with this new one. We're trying to make your life easier. And the look on my project manager's face is it's like, Armageddon! Oh my goodness, you're taking my precious form that I have used for my whole life and you're gonna replace it. And they're looking at each other and they're chattering and they're shooting me questions. It's just very disturbing for change, right? So people get troubled during change. They, even in something simple and small, they can get troubled. So can you imagine what was going on in the minds of the disciples at this point? They have been with Jesus for the last three years, seen all these miracles, witnessed all these things that have happened, and now he says he's leaving, and they can't follow him. And then they're going to be in some sort of situation where they deny him. Can you imagine the chatter that was going on amongst them, the looks that were going on, all this conversation, their expressions? They were troubled. So Jesus steps in in, in John 14, 1, and the next thing he says is, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and trust in him. Believe also in me. Jesus knows that every single one of them are going to run. All of them are going to leave him behind. In just a few short hours, everything that they have known is going to change. These friends that he's loved and held dear to him will abandon him when they need him, when he needs them most. But even knowing all of this, there is something he wants them to understand. He knows this is the last opportunity to get them to really get who he is before all of this chaos begins. He wants them to believe. So I think that in looking at this I am statement, we're going to break it into three things that, that Jesus wants us to believe. So the first thing is he wanted to get these disciples to understand that he is the way to relationship with the Father. John 14, 3 through 5 says, When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas says. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? I love Thomas in this. I think, you know, we know Thomas as Thomas the doubter. I think Thomas gets a bad rap. I think all of us, I think, have been in groups where there's that one person that will say something when they question. I think Thomas was at that person, right? He was like, I don't get what you're saying. This, this just doesn't make any sense to me. And I think all the rest of them were going, mm-hmm, we don't get this either. But they're not going to say it, right? They're, they're going to let Thomas, you go ahead, Thomas, you tell him. You tell him. Um, and I think that he's like thinking, yeah, Jesus, um, we don't know where in the world you're going. Are you going to leave us a map? Are you going to text us directions? What's the deal? Um, you say you're going somewhere, but how do we know the way if you don't tell us? And so if I were Jesus, there'd probably be a lot of eye rolling and sighing right here. This is why Jesus is Jesus and I'm not. Um, throughout his ministry, Jesus has shown them over and over that he is the way. But still, here we are, and they still don't get it. Um, 
I, I'm so grateful to have the children that I have, not only because I love them and they're amazing, but, but they give me really great sermon illustrations because of their behavior. Um, they're very interesting children. And um, <laughs> I wanted to share a quick story about a time that they, um, two of my kids, Brendan and Hayden, were house-sitting for my mom and dad. Now, house-sitting for the grandparents, usually the kids would fight over because grandpa literally has over 500 movies. I'm not even kidding. Over 500 movies to choose from. And then grandma, of course, fills the freezer with frozen pizzas and ice cream and junk food and sugared cereals. Basically, all the foods that I was not allowed to have as a child, she gives the grandchildren, right? I'm not bitter, I promise, but um, <laughs> this is what happens, right? So the kids always want to stay at grandma's house for the weekend and watch movies and eat pizza and ice cream. And so on this occasion, um, two of the boys, Brendan and Hayden, they were staying at my parents' house. And Brendan actually worked at this point, and he um, worked at Les Schwab, which is just up the street from my parents' house. So he was going to come home. He decided to come home for lunch to partake in this lovely free junk food, of course, that had been provided. And as he was walking up to the front door, all of a sudden he hears this pounding on the garage windows from the inside. And he looks over, and there's Hayden. Brendan! And he's pounding on the window, and Brendan's like, what in the world? And he walks over, and there's Hayden in the garage, in his underwear, because that's what teenage boys do is they sit around in their underwear and watch movies and eat pizza. Well, maybe that's just my teenage boys, but um, he's out there in the garage, Brandon! And Brandon's like, what are you doing? And he's like, Brandon, I came outside into the garage to get a frozen pizza and the door shut behind me and it locked and I have been in here for two hours! Now, because Hayden, of course, is in his underwear, he did not have any type of electronic device with him, like a cell phone or iPad. So pretty much Hayden is at near death at this point, right, from being in the garage this long. So Brandon just looks at him and he goes, Hayden, push the garage door opener. You know, like, yeah, the big old garage door that will open. Yeah, Hayden had the way out the entire time, but he was so consumed with the problem, he couldn't even see it. For their entire lives, the disciples had been looking to God for the Messiah, the one that could deliver them for their captors, from their captors, the one that would set them free. They were looking for a way out of their bondage, right? They were looking for this this general to come in and save them all. But God's plan from the very beginning was to restore the broken path between himself and man that man had created through sin. Jesus' purpose was to bring back man into relationship with God. So when Philip said in verse 14, 8, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us, Jesus um, response, part of his response in verse 10. Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? Jesus is saying, I am the way. I'm it. I am the bridge to the Father because the Father is in me. Verse 11 says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So I feel like Jesus is saying here, guys, 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 if you can't believe what I say, take a look what's been done. Look at these miracles. Can you not see the Father in that? 
Okay, so um, I'm just going to confess to all of you right now that I tend to get a little judgy with people in the Bible. Um, like the Israelites, when they decide to pray to a cow, I'm like, really, people, you decide to pray to a cow? Um, I'll just to confess it right now. And so here's where I get really judgy with those disciples. Like I think, really, guys, how could, ridiculous can you be? How can you still be questioning? How can you guys still be wondering, gee, I don't know if this really is the guy. You better prove it, Jesus. I mean, all those miracles weren't quite enough for me. And again, this is why Jesus is Jesus and I'm not. If I were Jesus, I'd be like, you know what? I'm done with y'all. I am not sure what else I can do to get you guys on board. So nice knowing you. Good luck with the whole waiting for the Messiah thing. I'm out. Um, but then God so gently reminds me, Laura, so um, you always look to me in times of trouble. You never try and figure this out on your own and just try and forge your own way. Oh, yeah, well... Maybe. I have seen God move in incredible ways in my life and in the life of others. I have felt the presence of Jesus, and I have seen the Holy Spirit just move in incredible and mighty ways and just been overwhelmed for what God has done for me. But with all of that, I can get myself into a situation and go, huh, I don't know what I'm going to do now. How I'm going to have to figure this out myself. I just get like this spiritual amnesia, forgetting everything that I have seen up to this point and think, oh, God's not gonna fix this. I better figure this out on my own. So are we really so much different than the disciples? Jesus is asking us to believe in him that he is the way and the only way to bring us back into relationship with God. Jesus is also asking the disciples to believe that he is the truth to hold on to. So um, back in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus is speaking and he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, and, and doing all this um, preparation, one, I like to look at the different scriptures in the different um, versions. And the Amplified Bible um, for John 14, 6 is really neat for this in this passage. And it says, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. And I love that, the real truth. So if we go back to John again, 8, 31 and 32, if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if we think about that, so if you know the truth, who is Jesus, then the truth, which is Jesus, will set you free. Um, how many of you in here are directionally challenged like me? Maybe you don't want to admit that. Um, oh, thank you, Michael. Um, you are my tribe right here. These people that, like Dave, I'll say, Dave, how do I get to a certain place? He goes, well, you're going to go north on 45th Street, and then you're going to go east. I'm like, no, no, do not speak these words north, south, east, west to me. They mean nothing. I want you to tell me, go to the red house on the corner, and then you go down and you take a left at the big bush with the pink flowers, right? And then you go down to the cow pasture. This is how I navigate, right, through, through places. And of course that can get me into trouble, especially if I think I know where I'm going. Like I've been the passenger once, so I think, oh yeah, I can totally get there. And then I'm in the middle of this place, like where in the world have I gotten myself into? This doesn't seem right at all. And so I have to either 
humble myself and call my husband <laughs> and get some directions or get on my GPS to try and figure out where I went wrong. And how often in life, when we're heading down the wrong direction, do we just keep heading down that wrong path? We just keep going or keep going in circles thinking, oh, we can just figure this out on our own. We get stubborn and we refuse to try to know the truth. And sometimes in this day and age, it can be hard to figure out what is the real truth. We are bombarded by the world's truth. If it feels good, do it. Truth is relative to the individual. Live for whatever brings you pleasure as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. Right? These are the messages that we hear over and over. In fact, nearly three out of four Americans say there is no such thing as ultimate or absolute truth. Three out of four. That was just staggering to me. Often we are blinded by the truth um, because the, of the lies of the enemy. And I think some of that can be petru uh, perpetuated too in our society like social media and Facebook and we have to be Facebook perfect or Pinterest perfect and we believe these lies of what we're supposed to be. And the enemy just feeds into that about how we fall short. Like you've already messed up. Why are you trying to fix this? You're just gonna fail. You can't handle this. You might as well just give up. You've already made too many mistakes. You are too far gone. There's no hope for you. You are not worthy. But over and over again, God relates, relates to us in scripture that this is, these are just the lies of the enemy. He wants us in relationship with him. And they're all throughout scripture. It just refutes these lies over and over. And these are a few of my favorites. Um, 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Proverbs 23:18 says, Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. 1 John 3, 1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jeremiah 31, 20, 32, 27, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The enemy wants to blind us to the ultimate truth. Jesus is the truth that we can hold on to. The truth that can lead us through any valley, through any darkness, no matter what you are going through, Jesus is there. Jesus' truth overcomes any lie that the enemy wants you to believe. John 14, 1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. Jesus wanted the disciples to get this, that he is it. He is the source of all truth. He is the fulfillment of all scripture. He is the truth, the real truth, and the only truth. Jesus's truth is perfect, but it doesn't demand perfection from us. 
just belief. Jesus also wanted his disciples to believe that he is the connection to the life everlasting with the Father. John 14, 2 through 3 says, There is plenty of room for you in my Father's home. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I am on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so that you can live where I live. So, I don't know if any of you all have this issue with your children, but um, whenever I, I was preparing for people to come over, my children felt like maybe that I went a little overboard. Um, like a new company was coming, and they, they seemed to think that I got really demanding about how the house was supposed to be, and I wanted things clean and picked up, and um, they, they sensed that I got really anxious in this. And one of my sons really um, uh, recently tagged me or sent me this video and said, Mom, I saw this, and um, it reminded me of you whenever you would ask us to clean up because company was coming. And We're going to clean the house now, 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 people. I want this place looking like Disney on ice in one minute. Harry, if you haven't made your bed, throw it away. It's too late to make it now. Company is coming. Get rid of the couches. We can't let people know we sit. The chairs need to be pushed in. There cannot be any sign of living in this house. I don't care if we have to throw everything out. I want this place looking like a new Mediterranean fusion restaurant by noon. We need more pillows. I, David, I cannot stress this enough. I need those things looking pumped. I need those things looking fluffed. I want the toilet looking like one of those chairs from the Men in Black headquarters. We need more bird feeders. I need a bird feeder at every window. Knobs. David, put seashells on the doorknobs. This is a dish towel. We need a hand towel. What are we, barbarians? But it's too late. Oh! We have to go into the witness protection program, folks. Okay, get on the rescue again. Where's my family? The middle chair in the middle spot. You can tell because the grain is here down the middle. I wasn't that bad. <laughs> My favorite line is that we need to fix the couches. We can't let people know we sit. <laughs> Maybe I kind of felt that weight. <laughs> so what does it mean when we're preparing for someone to come over, right? Especially if someone's going to spend the night. Um, and especially people that we love and care about. We make sure the beds are made, the pills are fluffed. Um, there's places for people to sleep, blankets, all that kind of good stuff for them because um, we want them to be comfortable, right? We want them to feel um, comfortable. We want them to have a good time. And we want them to feel like our home is their home. So Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus was leaving them but leaving to prepare God's house, especially for them. I feel Jesus is saying, my father's house is big. It is so big. It's bigger than you've ever seen, bigger than you can even imagine. And there is a room there for each one of you. And I'm gonna go get it ready for you. I want you to join me in my father's house. I want you there. Jesus is saying, I am the life. I'm it. I am going to bring you into the presence of the Father forever. There's no hoops you have to jump through. There's no religious leaders you need to impress. There's no checking things off of a to-do list. I am it. Jesus is the life. 
He is the only way to eternal life with the Father. And he's going on ahead to make sure we have a place because he loves us and he wants us with him forever. Not only is he going to prepare a place just for us, but he's coming back to bring us there. We just have to believe. It's that simple. And Jesus and you and I and the Father will be in his house forever. For their whole lives, the disciples had been searching. And then they encountered Jesus. And they followed him. And they became his disciples. And Jesus knows that they are about to enter in the most difficult and trying time that they have ever experienced. And he's telling them now, you have come all this way. Come a little further. Don't worry. Trust me. Believe me now. There is a place for you in my father's house as my father's children forever. I want to close with a couple pictures that um, are going to be very familiar to all of you. The first one, um, this is of course, Mount Rainier. And I am very blessed that when, um, this is the road that goes up like the sh to the street that I live on. And any of you that have driven up into Bonnie Lake and seen Mount Rainier, it's like right there, right? It's like you can touch it. It's just amazing. It's gorgeous. And so as I'm coming up the street, this is, uh, my street goes like right this. And so I'm driving up this way and you just see the mountain right there. And it's amazing. Now you go down the street that I'm on and you come into our house, and you go in our backyard, and we can still see Mount Rainier. And can we see that second picture? But it looks, what, farther away, right? It seems like it's a little farther off in the distance. It's beautiful, it's still great. I'm, I'm amazed by the view that I have in my backyard. But it just seems different, right? It's farther away. Now, of course, the size of the mountain hasn't changed, right? It's still the same Mount Rainier, still the same size. It's just my perspective that has changed. Right? I'm a little further away, a little down the street, and it's just my perspective of viewing that mountain has changed. Our focus, the focus is different. And so many things in this life can take us off of the focus of Jesus. And it's all too easy to lose perspective of who he really is. We try to find our own way, but he is the way. We search desperately for the truth but he is the truth. We try and try to find the meaning of life by filling the void with the things of this world when Jesus is the life that we are searching for. Jesus really wanted the disciples to understand how much God wants to be in relationship with them. How Jesus is the way that bridges that divide between God and man. Jesus is the truth of God's love for us. And life with Jesus means life with God forever. And Jesus wants us to hear that today also. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And maybe today you have come in here feeling lost, like you can't find your way, that you don't know what the truth is anymore and what life is supposed to be about Jesus can meet you here today, right now. Maybe today you've just lost your focus 
Your perspective is off. Jesus was in the center, and he's kind of slipped off into the distance a bit. The things of this life have gotten in the way of the true life with Jesus. And maybe today you just want more. You just want more of Jesus to say, Jesus, I get it. I get what you're saying. You are my truth. You are my way. And you are my life. And I am all in. Um, the worship team, they're going to sing a new song um, that really just has hit me hard in the last couple weeks. And it's called The Lord Will Provide. So no matter what your past, where you are in life right now, or what you are going through, Jesus is here. And he will meet you where you are. And he will provide. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down. If you need prayer today, don't leave this place without it. We have people here that can pray for you. Whether it be you want to know Jesus for the first time, or you've just lost your perspective, and you just want to come back and have Jesus be the center, we are here to pray with you this morning. Jesus wants to meet you here. He wants to be your way and your truth and your life.